Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Welcome back to Account Trends, everybody. Jason Stein, your host here, along with me, as always, Mr. David Bergstein. How are you today, sir? I'm doing wonderful today. I want to know what's happening with you. I know uh, you can tell me a little bit about your baby tricks, your big tricks, and what's happening uh, with your renovations now that you've been there a while. Yeah, the chicks. <laughs> so we've got the older older flock of four out in their coop now, and they're doing great. And we got the littles still in their little playpen, and they're peeping away. Uh, we're they're smaller breed birds. They're going to take longer to get older, but the renovation is probably more exciting. Uh, we, it seems like it's just never ending. We got one more big project coming up after this next one. But uh, matter of fact, just today uh, we actually worked with our contractor and they built a a custom door for us that's being installed right now. I'm very excited to see it. And uh, so uh, you may have seen this in like videos or whatever before where you've got like a secret room, right? In somebody's house. And so um, my wife's office sits at the front of the house and it's just off the kitchen. And so it plays nicely to have a secret door on it that has cabinets that that match the existing cabinets in our, our kitchen. So it's going to look like it's just another one of the cabinets until you go open that door and then it's a whole room in there. So I'm excited to see that. Well, I guess it's not going to be a secret door anymore because everybody you just told about just told everybody. <laughs> so so that, that that kills that part of it. But you know, for those who are just joining us for the first time, Jason moved out west from Texas into uh, the country, and he's been renovating everything. And uh, how many months have you been there now? Uh, about six months now. Yeah. Well, uh, pretty pretty soon you'll be paying taxes. Does they you have to pay a tax in that state? No state income tax in the state of Washington. Uh, and so from no London. sales tax in the state of uh, Oregon. So when we want to avoid paying sales tax, we just pop down to Portland. Well, that's a, that sounds pretty interesting. You know, you move from a, a non-tax state, Texas, to Washington. Now you're getting rid of the local tax, not paying sales tax. We're coming yeah. after you next next year. <laughs> hey, tax, tax avoidance, not tax evasion. So I'm good. That, that's true. That's good you tax advisory stuff. But today we're going to skip from tax advisory and we're going to go back to account trends. We, we, I, I think I have a privilege of introducing today someone I've known a tremendously long time, Randy Johnston, if I say his name correctly, shareholder, <laughs> K2 Enterprises, Hutchinson Canderson. He's a nationally recognized educator, consultant, and writer. He's got a lot of years of experience. Randy, tell us a little bit more about what you do and who you are to people who don't know from accounting software world, totally paperless. And MGI and everything else. And welcome well, to the show, Randy. Well, thanks, Dave and Jason. It's so good to be with you. And you you are right. I've been around. I actually knew Dave when he was, uh, well, let's just say much younger. <laughs> and so we've known each other a long time. But uh, you are correct. We produced continuing professional education in the U.S. and Canada to the tune of about 100,000 CPAs annually over about 1,600 events with our K2 business. We usually are trying to teach how you use technology in the practice of accounting. 
and that could be public practice or it can be industry accountants. And, uh, you know, about 40 years ago this year, I founded my NMGI business, which supports CPAs 24 by 7 from Boston to Honolulu and uh, have had the privilege of help to start many other businesses and help them grow. So have been very happy uh, about that. And through the years, I've gotten the privilege of meeting a lot of super smart people related to technology and related to accounting and, uh, you know, help them where I can. No, it's I can relate to that, Randy. No, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'll hit you with a question, then I'll let Jason ask most of the questions because he's got the inquisitive mind. Uh, but oh, aren't you also, don't uh, K2 give out technology awards uh, every year? We have for 20 plus years, Dave, that's exactly right. And we pick different categories uh, over time, but we do have many of them that have been around since inception. And what happens is our attendees and our instructors vote for products that they believe are best of class in those various categories over time. And uh, year after year, we have awarded those typically in the fall. And, and typically trends that are going on and new innovation ideas that are out there? Yes, we will add things. So, for example, we added cloud before it was very popular. As an example, we added client accounting services products before they were popular. Uh, and through the years, uh, we've tried to pick things that are new and innovative. I'm certain there'll be some artificial intelligence ads this year, uh, assuming that the vendors get their products delivered that have AI incorporated. So that would be an example of something I'm sure we'll add. It'll be interesting what we see. And I'm going to ask my last question and give it over to Jason. What do you see as the future of accounting? Well, that's a pretty broad question. <laughs> uh, I think accounting will survive off into the eons. I mean, I really say it like that because you really have to, you know, keep track of where you're at is the way I would call it. Uh, not only do you have the regulatory compliance that you've got, but you just want to be able to talk profitability and so forth. I do have to disclose I'm on several boards of directors. So we have fiscal responsibilities as boards in many cases, but the accounting profession, I think will evolve more towards advisory position. In other words, helping individuals and businesses, uh, you know, achieve the goals that they want to have. To me, accounting is a scorecard and it's a very old scorecard if you go back to the origins. And uh, realistically, there's more than just money that uh, should be accounted for. But obviously, that's what as accountants, most of the time we're put in charge of. But, you know, David, we've known each other a long time. We've talked about dashboards, for example, in prior years and key performance indicators. And there's many KPIs and dashboards that go well beyond just the monetary piece. Yeah, well said, Randy, because you, you're exactly right. It's, it's almost like you've been listening to our show and you're repeating. <laughs> Me and David keep hearing and saying um, you're 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 dead on right. And that's why we spend so much time and have been gearing up for for so long. And, you know, it's this this profession, you know, people people always kind of said, well, I'm a numbers person. Maybe I should be an accountant. Right. And that's just such a tiny part of it. Um, and and, it, and it, it's because of the advancement in technology and, and the trends in that space, it's it's accelerating and, and turning into what we've always known it, it would be eventually 
Uh, but we're seeing that that title shift now, and uh, people are really leaning into it um, in, in big ways. And so, so while we're on the subject of technology, uh, or the fact that I conveniently brought it up, one of the things that, <laughs> that I, I wanted to dig in with you because of your vast experience in this in that space is, you know, talk. Can you talk more about um, tax automation and how why firms should be working to implement that? Yeah, tax automation is is a big deal. You know, let's uh, run minor numbers. Uh, small firms till, still tend to get almost 80% of their revenue from tax. Uh, larger firms, about 40%. And those numbers shift a little bit. But the fact of the matter is that hours upon hours are used generating tax work. And whether that's tax forms, actually doing income tax, or whether it's sales tax compliance or other tax pieces, there's a lot of manual work that goes with that. So on the front end, in fact, the way Jason, I like to talk about is that in the end process. So I like to go everywhere from engagement letters and PBC document gathering all the way to ingestion. If it's personal tax through a 1040 work paper product, uh, imported automatically into, uh, you know, a tax software. So if you think about all the gathering process, try to automate as much of that as we can. And then from there, uh, being able to pull trial balances, get the adjusting entries done if it's tax, uh, uh, income tax, and then push it out as deliverables on the back end as an electronic deliverable through a portal where you can receive payment and complete uh, electronic filing, 8879 if it's personal and so forth. So I like to look at every step of that process and figure out what we can take out of human labor in that uh, methodology. So we expect more interfaces from accounting software into tax software. In other words, the trial balance is flowing in on the business side. Uh, we expect personal transactions to flow in from our bank accounts and bank feeds. And I think that will improve over time, but there's just too bloody much paperwork flowing around, right? Mm -hmm. And it is way too oppressive for the individuals and the businesses and the preparers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that perspective there. And, and I think that's, that's something that firms are really having a hard time with. Um, I, I, I don't think that's whatever they all say um, because there's just so much work and so little people. Right. And we know, right. There's, there's a major staffing crisis in our, our profession. Um, and I always like to say that, you know, you should look at technology as a tool that you hire to do a set of tasks um, as part of your your talent and technology sort of strategy. Mm -hmm. And so how do we think about, you know, because you've got a lot of experience in the in the staffing space as well. Um, how do how do firms, you know, how would you recommend they think about that? How does this impact the staffing? Yeah, you know, the vision on this for me probably goes back 10, 20 years or more that I thought technology would reduce the burden, reducing the amount of labor required. And that's happened a little bit. But there has not been enough new talent enter the accounting profession to really cover, in some cases, the extra work required in audit or the extra volume of work that's happening in tax. So unfortunately, uh, the automation just hadn't kept up fast enough. So what happened? Staff shortages. Outsourcing took a, a big increase during this past 
few years. It had been popular, but it's really, really taken off in the last two years in specific. And I'm also concerned about that for the long term, because part of the reason for the outsourcing is to get the labor, but part of it is to try to reduce the costs. And the fact of the matter is the outsource costs are going up also. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, you know, other countries, Philippines, India, South America, wherever people have pushed the work, the wages are still below U.S. wages, but their gaps are closing fairly quick. Uh, and then the second part is really trying to have the expertise because you've got to think about outsourced personnel as a new staff hire. And so you've got to have your existing staff do higher value work. And I know something that's near and dear to my heart, probably near and dear to your heart, too, is with advisory work, I want my professionals to use their skills in higher value work, which I consider advisory work to be. So tax advisory would be one example of other advisory services, of which I number nearly 80 different advisory services that mm-hmm. CPAs could be providing. But if you're just working, 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 and you're not really uh, doing high value work, you're going to be just kind of churning forever. So I would want the doggone automation to do much more for us. AI is going to give us a little help there, but I still don't see that uh, panacea that I expected 10 years ago where a lot of the mundane stuff would go away. Yeah. I think we have great visions in this in this area, but the the practical application of, of getting there and, and the limitations, uh, yeah, I would have I would have liked to have been seen it slow uh, faster. But I think it's it's interesting too. We say that tongue firmly planted in cheek that uh, the pandemic accelerated, you know, a lot of this stuff, and it it's it's twofold, and that's why I say staffing and, and tech go together because. Your your staff has to be able to leverage the technology properly in order to take advantage of it, mm-hmm. and then you know you as you continue to use it and invest in technology, it gets better over time. If you don't invest in it and it's not you know getting used, then it ends up going away. Yeah, and you know my favorite saying from 2016, I, I use frequently: if you say it real fast, it sounds easy. So, <laughs> you know, it it sounds like all this technology or outsourcing or whatever should fix these things, but we need a revolutionary change, not an evolutionary change. Mm. And unfortunately, we've just been making small little steps instead of major breakthroughs. And I have been more hopeful that robotic process automation would do it or optical character recognition would have helped us or, you know, feeds from multiple platforms would have helped us. Uh, You know, so many of these were good technological attempts, but they're not easy. And, you know, so much of the time we expect things to be easy. You know, you think about the big red easy button and hitting it. There's just not one or tax automation that I'm aware of. I think you're all going to be surprised. I think you're all going to be surprised over the next two years with automation taking over the tax processing. You know, just my own experience, even this past year, and I've been doing the same client for a long time. He's a day trader. He has like probably 3,000 transactions from the brokerage. The amount of time that I save by just pressing the button into the tax software has made a tremendous time saver. So it's all these little things. Even when e-filing first came out, nobody wanted to e-file a tax return. All the accountants were against it. So I think, well, I agree with everything you're saying, Randy, but I think we're going to start to see a breakthrough with what's happened uh, this past year 
with AI. Everybody is predicting. And now all of a sudden, as I follow uh, the Internet, I'm seeing all sorts of software packages start to announce. We're changing our AI. We're going to make it easier. It does take time, but I think it's going to hit all of a sudden uh, as we move forward. And uh, you're you're going to be teaching thousands of accountants, whether in public or private, the tricks of what new tools to use. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. In fact, I was smiling while you were saying it, David, because obviously you go back to RIA. Uh, that's probably when we first met. And I just think about the difference in the tax products. But even in the column that I wrote for the CPA Practice Advisor this week, I suggested that we underestimate how much value our tools are providing for us because your 20-minute comment to me last week probably was the trigger for that because the fact of the matter is you can create a pretty bloody complex return in a relatively few minutes. In fact, I talked to a practitioner out of Wisconsin on Monday and he had made the same comment. He had done a very complex corporate return in less than 20 minutes. Wow. And he said, you know, things just work the way they were supposed to. And, you know, and and I I chuckled when he said it and I said, well, you've been around long enough. Just think about if you had to prepare that bloody thing manually. Yeah. On paper, right. On paper, ick. And this is where you got to justify to your client now. That's where the advisory service comes in, of course. You're not charging for time. We go with the Ron Baker subscription model. You change what you do and how you do it. And the tax return is only deliverable. But like you said, you're looking at accounting or tax information. It's not one advisory. It's 80 plus types of services you can rent it to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the the bottom line, uh, uh, David, as you're thinking about that, notice that if you're doing sales tax compliance and you've got a business that is selling on the Internet and we have deliverable, you know, uh, point of sale, if you will, uh, sales tax to collect, uh, that's a bugger to complete, too. So, you know, all sorts of businesses have to do that. And many CPA firms have not figured out how to take that very profitable recurring revenue business on board. They're still messing around with other services that are far lower value. Yeah. People forget about the term SALT, S-A-L-T, state and local tax advisory services is a tremendous way to gain clients, especially small to medium. The internet says you can sell anywhere. Look at state and local taxes. Don't look at federal taxes. Don't look at income taxes. Look at the, all those other taxes. Yeah, when and, you know, that's about as that's about as sticky as payroll, right? You got state and local taxes, and you got payroll. Yeah. You, you in the banking industry, the rule of thumb is you got to have three services to make a client sticky. Well, I've taught that to CPA firms for 40 years, uh, David, and you've heard me talk like that. You got to have three, four, five services and they need to be high value. It's got to be ones that business owners want, not ones they must have. You know, the must have ones they begrudgingly pay you to do, Mm -hmm. but the ones they want, they gladly pay you to do them. Right, right. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to unpack, I want to come back to this conversation, but I wanted to unpack the technology stuff that you were saying a minute ago about, um, about the automation. And you, you made a comment that resonated with me around how people are not taking full advantage of, uh, the capabilities of the technology that they hire. And I, I, I mean, of course I did too. We see that all the time. 
I mean, half of half of our users of our professional tax products only use half of the features and functionality that we offer. And it's astounding to us. We cannot understand what's going on there. And so what I what I observe is that um people people have firms have their processes that they have set up, right? Some of these processes were established before these technology solutions were ever even invented, right? I know there's firms still passing around a paper folder with a sticky note on it as their process in the in the office. Um and, and so it's it's interesting because what people do is they hire the technology and then they try to force fit it into their same process. And what they what they don't do and it's at their you know their deficit um, is is understand that technology is designed to solve a set of tasks, not just one. And and so what people do is then when you're trying to force fit it, then you end up frustrated because it's not doing the task that you wanted it to do. And you may have even promised that it would, but there's these workaround solutions. Yeah, it'll do that, but you got to do this and that. And so then people are like, well, why did I, this is creating more work? And why did I even hire the technology? And then they're frustrated with it. And then, you know, that's the end. And you've never gotten to see the advantages of it. And then I think that's especially true for cloud because, you know, when we think about our cloud products, you know, we can automate things and make connections both within our solution set but also outside, like with financial institutions, where we can pull that data in um, way more effectively and easily uh, than than you can on a desktop. Are you seeing the same kind of behavior? What would what would you add to that? Yeah, that's interesting. It's a change management problem, and as you were describing it, I was thinking of a current, well educated, thoughtful tax practitioner partner who still copies all of his own work on a copy machine so he has the backup information so he can return the originals to the client. And that firm has all the automation that would be needed. And, uh, you know, I've talked to him directly and said, tell me why you're doing it this way. And he said, well, while I'm running the copier, I can think about how it's going to go in the tax return. And his uh, clients love him dearly, but his profitability compared to everybody else in his firm is lower. So, you know, it's just a, one of those like, so when are you going to change? And he said, I never will. And he said, I'm a partner, so nobody can make me. Right? <laughs> and, and, you know, so you've got some of that going on. I don't want to make that sound like it's a lot, uh, but really, Jason, it is super difficult for people to adopt change. They have to really have an attitude that they're looking for a better way to do it. That's why for 30 plus years, we've taught people about workflow processes and how to optimize processes and why we ask people to revisit their processes twice a year, uh, that we ask them to consider any new shortcut process that somebody has discovered and incorporate it into their general processes and teach it to the whole team. Uh, you know, it takes some effort to get that done, but it pays magnificently. And, you know, there are, frankly, unfortunately, very few workflow process tools that do a great job at helping us with that part. There's only, well, less than a dozen workflow tools in the profession. And many of them are designs that are 20 plus years old. So there's not too many modern workflow processes that are out there. So when something is new and you know, really to your point, 
you've got a lot of um, capabilities in the Intuit platforms that people are just clueless about. And it was really fascinating. Uh, frankly, just yesterday, I was in Lacert, uh using features, and it was clear that the practitioners that were watching didn't know what we were doing. And it's like, don't you live in this product most of the time? And <laughs> don't you don't you look for an easier way to do things? And you know, my belief is that people do it the easiest way they know how. Mm-hmm but they don't know what they don't know and they don't always discover the easiest way. Well, I, I love that. I love that because it, I, I, I talk about this a lot too, t- intentionality, right? It, it, people are, are kind of typically prone to follow the path of least resistance when it comes to accomplishing a task, right? And I'm, I'm the same way. I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm better at that, but I think where firms can, can be intentional and strategic about how they're approaching something that lets you then get off the hamster wheel, right? Cause that's the problem. We're stuck on this hamster wheel. We can't pause to get off, to look at the firm as a whole and work on the business instead of just constantly working in the business. Mm-hmm. And that's what this, this all ties together with being intentional about what you're, what you're going to do, how you're going to accomplish the work and how technology plays a role in that. And that all works together. And then of course, um, you know, how the whole, firm works together using those tools. You're reading too many books, Jason. You're probably reading the intentional accountant, the e-myth for accountants, because that's what you just quoted. But kind of interesting. I just read the current issue of accounting today, and it was talking about the best technology firms. And both you and Randy hit it. People don't know what they don't know. But part of the reason they pick some of these firms is the best technology firm, because they had the most hours of training per person where they're teaching the people in the firm how to use the tools that they have. Because people get the tool, they use it, and they don't realize that there are enhancements to it. So training on a constant basis is what's going to make someone better with using technology as they understand the tool does more. David, that's actually part of the reason, um, you know, I've enjoyed my K2 business for so doggone long. Because what do we get to do? We teach people the best tricks that we know in any given year. And there's always new tricks. So that's been a real delight. And frankly, yeah, I probably have been reading too many books lately. But like you, I've had the privilege through the years of working with Michael Gerber when he was brand new and trying to figure out what this e-myth thing was going to be, right? So, or we go to... Daniel Burris, you know, the futurist, when he was considering leaving his high school teaching job and, you know, I talked to him about why you should perhaps do a consulting practice and speak about your ideas, which have been adopted by many firms, in fact, covered in a recent book as well. So, you know, these these things really have to be intentionally discovered and taught. And it takes time and it takes some space. And in fact, the word that I've used around that, uh, friends, is margin. You got to have enough time to stop and think. So many people are on that hamster wheel, spin, 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 instead of slowing down. You know, that we used to say slow down and smell the roses, but it's slow down and think a little bit. And you might be able to discover much easier ways to do things and much smarter ways to do things. Yeah, I always use the forest through the trees analogy, right? Just like you said, you you got to stop and and look at the whole forest 
because you may be you may be cutting down the trees in the wrong place um or there might be a better more effective way or have a way to have a bigger impact and i think the bigger impact part is the the place where we really have the most opportunity right um that's i, I i've heard some say it's being squandered in our profession uh, and that's that come brings us back to the advisory conversation, right? It does because you know, in effect, you know, if you do tax advisory right, you can avoid a lot of those taxes mm-hmm. properly. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of people are just sending the money on. And I I know that even my own practitioners have been conservative through the years, and that probably comes from their days of working for the IRS. Right. So they were pretty conscientious and and I'll just say cautious about what they might recommend. And they didn't really apply a lot of the common tax strategies that are out there. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, many business owners are not able to take advantage or are not taking advantage of it. And many individuals aren't either. And it's it's a sad thing because, yeah. you know, I personally, I don't mind paying taxes so much, but I really would like everybody to you know, be able to pay their fair share. But I also, uh, you know, along the way, don't want to be gouged. And I think, you know, you can take all sorts of different words around that. But the fact of the matter is, it's it, it's going to cost us something to run this country. So I don't mind paying for what it takes to help run it. Yeah, I always say it's better to make money and pay taxes than lose money and get deductions. But But there are deductions that are designed around pro- propelling parts of, you know, Parts of the economy, or or getting certain behaviors, you know, um, with with business owners, so that 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 they can be more effective at both contributing to the economy at large, but also for themselves. Uh, and that's why those tax breaks and those those um, strategies are there. Yeah, and, the K, my K two partner Will Fleener always said, "Hey, I love paying taxes because that means I made money." But right. again, we don't want to send any more than we have to. So exactly. And, you know, I've said that on licensing for years, too, Jason. Uh, I absolutely don't want people to violate license agreements. You always should follow the license agreement. That's a in in most states, that would be an ethics violation and, you know, uh, put your CPA license at risk. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people that overpay licenses. So, you know, what I've usually said is I don't want to send a dollar more to Redmond or to you know, Houston or Austin or Boston or Mountain View, then I have to. But I will pay every dollar because I believe that the companies that have created those products have earned those dollars. Right. If you're t- if you're getting the value out of the product that you are buying, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just think about the new Microsoft uh, Copilot 365 and the AI features, more of which were expanded here as of late. Uh, you know, there's so many capabilities that are just going to be in normally added to your subscription in that world. And if you don't take the time to learn how to do it, how to take advantage of those things, mm-hmm. you're going to do things the old way. And I can tell you that my use of AI, to David's earlier point, um, I'm doing work now in less than 20% of the time that it took me to do that work a year ago at this time. Yeah, well, you know, five times faster. I thought it was pretty bloody quick before. That's, and, that's uh, why it's good to attend one of your uh, when you do your education training across the country, because even though you call it Microsoft update, it's new features from last year to this year. And if they don't go, 
they don't know what they can use in a way of new capabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, that has been kind of our hallmark is we want you to learn new things today that you can use tomorrow. And it is that type of framework that we've worked on for 40 years. And frankly, the amount of knowledge that you have to know has expanded so much that it, it, you know, I, I think I know a smaller percentage of the whole than I used to, but I still know a lot more than I used to. Well, and that's a perfect segue uh, to round us out. So, Randy, uh, if people want to take advantage of your training programs or just continue learning from you and get connected with you, where would you send them? Well, I would start you with our K2 site, k2e.com. You'll find the schedule of events. You'll also find that a wide variety of courses can be chosen from there. But we do publish a very broad schedule across pretty much any technology that you want to learn about. If you don't see what you're interested in, I'd actually have your listeners just contact me because I'll say, yeah, we've got a course like that and we can do that and we can produce those in-house. We can produce those online or we'll do that uh, at face-to-face events around the country. Awesome. Well, Randy, we really appreciate you coming on the show, bringing your expertise and, and insights. So thanks for being here. Pleased to spend time with you and your listeners. And uh, I look forward to talking with you again very soon. Absolutely. And as, as always, David, good, uh, good to see you and, and uh, talk with you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Till next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2023.